bondage. And that Spirit's waiting on them doors to be open so He can walk into your life and put you in bondage and ruin your life. Uh, let's read in Genesis 21, verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south. Oh, wrong chapter. That was chapter 20. And the, verse 1, chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did, did for Sarah as He had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time, everybody say set time, of which God has spoken to him. See, God has a set time for you. He has a set time. Don't run away. Don't, you know, take things in your own hand. And Abraham called the name of, of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him. The Bible's really making that real specific. Isaac. Okay? And let's, ju- let's jump down here um, in verse 8. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah, all right, let me get this. This was 14 years later. Chapter 21 was 14 years from chapter 16. So, Ishmael would have been 13 years and two months, basically, approximately. or No, three months. You know, you got nine months of pregnancy. Okay? So this has been 24 years. 24, y'all with me on that? that? That's important. So here's this young man, 13, 14 years old. Abraham and Sarah have a baby. It talks about the child being weaned, which in those days, I think, I'm not exactly sure. I've read all kinds of things from about two years to five years. And I mean, real fanatical moms may even went further. But let's just assume two years. So that would put Ishmael, at approximately 15 years old. Okay, so we got a 15-year-old kid and we got a 2-year-old kid. All righty, brothers. Same daddy, different mamas. Are you all with me on that? So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Okay? Now, that's an important word, scoffing. Um, what it really literally means, it means to treat with contempt or ridicule, to defy, to challenge, to jeer at. In other words, he wasn't just playing around with this little boy. He was going after this kid with a bitterness and a viciousness in his heart. That was what was happening. It wasn't just, you know, picking at a little baby, you know, popping him upside the head, you know, doing stuff that boys do. I mean, this was... This was was bad. This was bad stuff. So you got this 15-year-old guy being very mean, mean-spirited to this little two-year-old boy. I just really want you to get that. So, um, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. See, Abraham loved Ishmael. It was very displeasing. He didn't want to throw this kid away. He loved him and spent 14 years with him, or 15 years with him. And, but God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. Don't the husbands love that when God says, Listen to the voice of your wife, <laughs> even if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
I have had that. <laughs> For in Isaac your, your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make him a nation, make a nation of the son of the bond woman, because he is your seed. Did you hear that? Did you hear what the Bible just said about Ishmael? God did not reject Ishmael. Now, Christianity, we like to play around with Ishmael. That's the flesh, you know. Well, you know, God doesn't play around with it like we do. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and put it on, on her shoulder. He gave it and the boy and gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shop, where she said to herself, Let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. All right, let me give you the third gate. The third gate is called, called the gate of bitterness. Okay? The gate of bitterness. Um, when, when Sarah saw Ishmael doing what he was doing, she saw in Ishmael the same anger, the same bitterness that was in Hagar. Remember, Hagar was despising her. Mama cubs don't take... Mama cubs can take some stuff. You can take somebody treating you bad, but when they start messing with your young'uns, right, it's a different animal. It really is a different animal. They'll fight you over it. This is the honest truth. Becky can say something to me about, you know, disciplining one of my kids, and I'll go discipline. She don't like the way I'm disciplined. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Suddenly they went from being all in trouble to now I'm the one in trouble because I didn't do it right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> because Hagar never truly dealt with her pain. Remember, the Lord sent her back. But she did not deal with the thing in her heart. There's bitterness in her heart. There was bitterness in her heart. There was anger in her heart. And she didn't deal with it. She didn't allow the mercy of God to heal her heart. When God had mercy on her out there in the desert about to die, she didn't respond. And what happened is she imparted that same bitterness that she had. She just passed it along to Ishmael. You see what I'm saying? And guess what Ishmael did? He passed it to his son. And his son passed it to his son. And one day a character named Mohammed woke up one morning and got this bitterness in him. Got this hate in him. And you can turn the TV on and listen to these radical, fundamental Muslims and they have the same bitterness that came from Hagar. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's where it came from. It came from a person who wouldn't allow, who wouldn't deal with bitterness. Turn over to um, Hebrews 12. Let me just read these verses to you. Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 15. This is about bitterness. We really have to get, deal with the gate of bitterness in our life. If God's, you know, you know dealing, with, dealing with us. It says, um, Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 15. Just hold your place there in Genesis. The third gate is the gate of bitterness. First gate, gate of self-effort. Second gate, the gate of running from your troubles. The third gate, the gate of bitterness. If you've got bitterness in your heart today, I'm telling you, you're opening yourself up and the people around you to being messed up, to defile them. This is what it says. Pursue peace with all people, verse 14, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of what? The grace of God. 
Least any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You see what the Bible's talking about? Many becoming defiled? That's what happens. And I'll just say this. I believe Hagar's bitterness is being poured out today. I believe Hagar's bitterness is the reason we're over there in Iraq right now. American soldiers are dying. And, and innocent Iraqi people are dying. It's because the bit, this woman would not deal with her bitterness. You hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Now, we may not be as powerful as Abraham. We may not affect nations in history, but we're affecting those around us. We're affecting our homes. We're affecting our businesses. We're affecting our children. We're affecting our spouses. We're affecting our churches with our bitterness. It's defiling. That's what the Bible says. So that's the third gate. Last gate. Um, where did I stop? It says uh, in, back, in, back in Genesis 21. Uh, this is interesting. You know, she set him down, bow shot, verse 16, verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. God heard Ishmael. Again, Hagar is not over there praying. He hears this boy, this 14, 15, 16-year-old boy sitting over in a shrub crying because he's going to die, and he knows it. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven. I mean, man, this is cool. Out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Um, you know, that's one of those questions by God. Like, you know, God, I'm out here in the desert. My kid's fixing to die. I'm fixing to die. They've run me off. I've been treated bad, and you're asking me what ails me? You ever wanted to say something like that to God when you feel like God talks to you like, what? don't you see? You know, say, what is wrong with you, God? Are you blind? Of course, he's not. He asks questions not for information. He asks questions to really speak to our hearts. Uh, then he says, fear not, for God has heard what? The voice of the lad where he is. He's heard the voice of this lad. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. I don't know if the well was there or, you know, God put it there, though. And she went and filled the skin with hot water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelled in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Okay, the fourth gate um, is not responding to God's mercy. It's the last, last one. See, two times... God had mercy on Hagar. Bailed her out. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. How many times has God bailed you out? How many times, well, if you're saved, He bailed you out big time from hell? But how many times in your life can you ask yourself today that God bailed me out of a mess? He came and got me. He did something for me. He did something to help me when I didn't, when I did, wasn't, maybe I wasn't even asking. I was just in a mess in my life. And He showed up one day and helped me. That's God's mercy. But there's a danger of not... Two times he did that with Hagar. There is a great danger when we don't respond to his mercy. There's a story in Luke 17 about these ten lepers that were, you know, crying out, Lord, you know, have mercy on us and heal us. And the Lord healed every one of them. And one of them came back. It's called the grateful leper. And Jesus answered and said, this is Luke 17, 17, were they not ten cleanse, but where are the nine? In other words, God healed these people, miraculously healed them leprosy, and only one responded. I don't know whatever happened to the other nine. I had to believe that they stayed healed, because I don't think God likes it, you know, oh, I'm going to cancel your healing. He's not vindictive. 
No, I think he just said he's looking for people who can really um, respond to his mercy. Now, here's the thing. This is the thing about this spirit of Islam. The spirit of Islam does not match with Arabs. Okay? It's it's not a good fit because God two times reached out in mercy to Hagar. Two times he did. And Islam is not a merciful religion. It is a vicious religion. So here you have these billions of people and many Arabs that are locked into this bondage of religion that doesn't even match them. Their whole root system, their whole identity was tied up in God coming to them when they didn't even ask Him and and reaching out to Him. And now here they are stuck today, many of them, in this religious system that is absolutely going to destroy them if they don't really get out of it before they die. You hear what I'm saying to you? And there, that's the fourth gate, the danger of not responding to God's mercy. And I think God, I see people all the time, God saves them, God does wonderful things, but they walk off or they ignore God. And I think this room is full of people where we have not responded to the mercy of God. And I'll tell you, it leads you into bondage. It opens the door in your life for bondage to come in and overcome you. And I believe, you know, if we had historical information before us today, we could go back to the Galatian church and we could see all four of these things happening in their life. And suddenly they were susceptible to getting into bondage. They didn't call it Islam. They called it Judaism back then. You know, the Jews were persecuting the Christians. But they quit. You know, the Jews had pretty much given up on that. They'd been so beat down themselves. But the Islam crowd has taken up that, that banner to persecute. And they're going to come after us one of these days. Many people believe the last day showdown in the earth will be between Christianity and Islam. And I think, really, we need to wake up this morning, but not just wake up there. I think we need to wake up personally. Personally. How many in this room are trying to live your Christian life in your own efforts? We need to ask ourselves that. I mean, seriously. How many are trying to fulfill the will of God by what we do? Like we can make God happy, like we can do it, we can take it in our hands. We're not willing to wait. I mean, we need to ask ourselves that question. We really, and how many are running, run, run all your life? We need to ask ourselves that question. Now, I believe there's time to do different things. I mean, you know, but the, if the issue is that you're running away from it, and guess what happens? You run away, you get into another marriage, and guess what? You have the same problems. Duh. Guess who has the problem there? You had it in the first marriage. Well, I married this guy, and he was messed up. This is what happened. Then I leave him, marry this guy, and the same thing happened. You're thinking, something's wrong here, pal. The common denominator ain't those guys. It's you. Now, they may be messed up. You see what I'm saying? Do you? We need to wake up to this stuff. This stuff's what puts us in bondage. You hear me? And, uh, you know, this thing about not responding to the mercy of God. Man, we've got to really hear the Lord on this one. Because God is very merciful to us. And when He has mercy and reaches out to us, and when we just, well, I'll go back, God, but inside, you know, it's that old thing, you know, you've heard it, you know, the daddy told the kid to, to stand up. Well, I'm standing up on the outside, but on the inside I'm still sitting. This rebellion in their heart. And that was really what was going on in Hagar. And she refused to sit. Refused to go back. She went back in the, in the physical, but in her heart she never went back. Are you all with me this morning? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand up.
Lord, this morning, we need to renounce, Lord Jesus, bondage in our life, Lord. We really do, Lord Jesus. We want to get set free. We don't want to be susceptible. Lord, if there is 1.2 billion people in this world that have fallen into a religion, a bondage, Lord, we are no different, Lord. If we, we are just like, if Paul had to go to the Galatians, Lord, after he said God did miracles, he did wonderful things among them, they were falling into bondage, Lord. Who do we think we are this morning? Who do we think we are? And Father, I just pray for every person in this room. I know, Lord, there's probably different things that you've spoken to different people. Lord, there are some in here that are just out trying to get your will done, trying to get ahead of you, trying to take their life in their own hands, Lord, and they're making a mistake. And I just pray for them right now. If, just lift your hands if you feel like God's convicted you of that this morning. Just raise your hand. And Lord, you see the people whose hands are raised, that they're, you know, they have gotten trapped in this gate of self-effort, Lord. And Lord, I just ask you to deliver them just from the gate of self-effort, Lord Jesus. Show them, Lord. Show them what real grace is all about, Lord. Give them a revelation of real grace, Lord. Lord, let them wake up every morning and realize, I can't live this Christian life. I can't even not sin without God. I've got to have Him. Lord, those who are running, running, maybe they're not running anywhere physically, but in their hearts they're running. If that's you, raise your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I've been running all my life. All my life, Lord, I've run. If there's things about you that you've not faced that God's tried to bring up to you, raise your hand to the Lord. Now, I guarantee you there's people in here because I'm not the only one that God deals with like that. But just this week, God was showing me things about myself that I had hid from, that I refused to accept. And He was showing me, you've got to quit running from these things, Byron. You've got to face them. You've got to release them to Him and let Him deal with them. And Lord, I just pray that every person in this room, Lord, who's running, that right now you would, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to them, you'd help them face these things and deal with them, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, just do it in Jesus' name, I pray. And Lord, this thing of bitterness now, raise your hand if you have bitterness in your heart over something. If you have unforgiveness about something, raise your hand to the Lord and tell Him, God wants you to be truthful. It's no shame. I don't... I don't know anybody, people who doesn't deal with those kinds of issues. In fact, one of the pastors' meetings I was at this week, one of the big topics of discussions was unforgiveness. And we were saying, man, if you've got a bunch of pastors that are sitting in a room who are struggling with unforgiveness, what's going on with everybody else, man? The congregations they represent. And many of the pastors were confessing they had bitterness in their heart over things that happened to them. It's a gate, it's the gate of the enemy. That gate needs to be shut, and God has the ability to forgive. Jesus forgave, gave those who crucified Him. We just need to let Him do that in us. And that last thing about mercy, you know, when God's touched you and God's helped you and you went away from Him, raise your hand to the Lord if that's true about you this morning. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Tell Him you're sorry that you didn't respond, but you want to respond now to Him and allow that His mercy to have its complete work in your life. Just let the Lord do that. Let's just take a moment and just really be before the Lord and let Him. I'm not trying to stir anything. I'm just wanting to allow the Holy Spirit a chance to deal with you and touch you and do, do a miraculous thing in your life. This is so important that we allow the Lord 
these moments. This really is real stuff we're talking about here. And Lord, I just want to lift a special prayer to all the Arab people this morning, Lord Jesus. Lord, they really are children of Abraham. You really care about them, Lord. You've never rejected them. Lord, let them know Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that would be one thing that happened over there for our troops, like Larry mentioned with Jesse, that they would be evangelists to the Arab people that they encounter over there. They would be able to tell them the good news. You would use this war to save and deliver many from the clutches of Islamic religion, Lord. Let us respond to mercy. Just thank you, Lord. Just worship you this morning. Just, just let the Lord deal with you. We sing that song, Be Magnified. As we sing it, you know, you, just let the Lord touch you. Take a moment for the Lord and let Him touch you. And we'll just, you know, as we sing it, we'll be, Lord bless everybody, we'll be dismissed after the song.